0: to accomplish things in our life Lord uh, even the work that you desire to do in us Lord we want to be who you want us to be Lord but even that work is is uh, by your might and power Lord so uh, we ask for your spirit today Lord that we might be sensitive to you and that we might hear your voice today Lord uh, we're thankful that your promises to meet with us here week after week god and uh, and that you don't leave us in the, in the condition you found us in, Lord, but you fix us, you mold us, you shape us, God, and that's what you're doing in the life of David. We see that, we've been looking at that, and, uh, and we're thankful, Lord, we're no different. Uh, you, you work in us too, Lord, and we're thankful, Jesus, in your name, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 26, I'm going to read you a verse out of uh, John chapter 1 first, uh, because the work that's going on in David's life is no different than the work that God wants to do in your life and mine. It's, it's no different. God sees a life and sees what he wants to make it. It says this in John chapter 1. Um, it says, One of the two that heard, Jesus, heard, heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he went to his own brother Simon and said to him, We found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And Andrew brings his brother Peter, to Jesus, and he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus looked at him, he said, "You're Simon, son of Jonah, and you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone or a rock." right? He sees Peter in all his flaws and failures. He sees his life, but he doesn't say that. He doesn't leave him there. He doesn't say, "This is who you are. Unfortunately, I can't I won't be using you today." Peter, because I know all about you, and I know what you'll do in the future. There's a lot of mistakes you're going to make and a lot of things you're going to mess up on, so sorry, Peter, uh, too bad for you. No, he sees his life. He says, I know all about you. You're Simon, son of Jonah. Man, I've been waiting for you, actually, Peter. I know who you are. And then he says, listen, and you shall be called Cephas. We read in Matthew's Gospel, Uh, As Jesus is walking by the sea, probably not long after this, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Andrew and Peter, they're casting their nets into the sea, and Jesus says, hey, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you something different than you are right now. And it was their responsibility Peter and Andrew, to respond to that call, just like it's your responsibility and my responsibility. If we hear Jesus' voice saying, hey, why don't you follow me? Why don't you follow me? That's that's on us if we hear his voice. But it's on Jesus. He says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to make you something different. I know the plan I have for you. I know what I want to make you. That's on him. Right? It's, it's his call, not yours, what God wants to make you and what he chooses the path of your life. And that's for David here. David's a shepherd, and God calls this guy. And Samuel anoints him with a whole bottle of oil that's running down his head. And he says, Listen, you're the next king of Israel. And David responds to that. And, and that needs to be our response. God sees a, Peter, a fisherman, Peter, Andrew. He says, Listen, I understand what you're doing, what your job is, what your, what, what your background
1: is. So I'm going to call you to something like that. You catch fish, well, listen, I'm going to ha- I'm going to, you're going to
0: soon catch men. The same satisfaction if you've ever been fishing, you know, I don't fish with nets, but I like to go fishing, and you catch one. And wow, this was, let's weigh it. You know, it's always three pounds more, than, three pounds less than you actually think it is, and about six inches less than you think it is, right? But there's a satisfaction there. And this, that's the same with Peter like, oh, Lord, how can I catch this guy? What can I do? How can I be this for this guy? And that's, the, that's who Peter ha- will become one day. So who he was in the past doesn't stop him from becoming all that God wants him to be in the future. And that's the same for your life and for mine. What's holding you back? Well, yielding to the Lord, saying, Lord, here's my life. I'm willing to respond. I want to be what you've called me to be. And that's what David does. He responds. Okay. But he, it probably looks a lot different than what he anticipated. And, and your walk with the Lord, if you've started one, probably maybe didn't expect Trials, tribulation, troubles, difficulties—what is going on? Right, we're expecting this. This, and I said it a couple of weeks ago. You know, God works in our life, and we're expecting Pentecost, and we need it. We need the Holy Spirit's work in our life. But we're expecting this amazing thing to happen—an anointed pastor to enter our life and say, "Follow me, son," and I'll make you. You know, I'll help. Right, and all of a sudden, what happens to David is David has a Saul in his life. David is going to, you know, we're going to read here in a minute that these Ziphites, That's the second time that they just turn David in. Like, hey, Saul, David's right here in our hometown. Come and get him. Right? It was for their advantage they're trying to get David arrested and really killed. When God is working in our life, sometimes we have Saul's. We have these guys we're going to read about, Ziphites, that refine us. They chip away the rough edges. And David doesn't know how it will work out, but he knows who's at work. That's the confidence he has. Lord, I know you're working. And that's the trust that he's holding on to. Like, Lord, I know you're working. I know your promises. Doesn't look like it right now, but I know what you've said, I know what you've told me. And I have past experience.
1: God rescued David several times. And the things we go through, hard things aren't to defeat us. They're really to complete us. God is
0: using those things to complete our life. If you're a believer here today. So it says this in verse 1. 1 Samuel says, now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, is David not hiding in the hill of Hakalah opposite Jeshimon? So the Ziphites are looking to secure favor with the king. They're only looking to secure... That's a horrible relationship to have with someone. Just kind of a selfish relationship. Like, they're looking to tell Saul where David is because hopefully... Saul will maybe do something for them, show favor to their region or their land, right? Those are take relationships, right? God's relationships, what he's designed for us, are giving relationships. Like, what can I do for you? A lot of times we look at, like, yeah,
1: I'm going to be friends with that. What can they do for me? What can that person do for me? You do things to get something back. So, these Ziphites, you know, you may work with one. Maybe you're married
0: to one. I don't know. You know, that would be very unfortunate.
1: Maybe you are one. Maybe that's your relationship with people. We need to examine ourselves. They tell on David.
0: And, you know, David one day will become king, David is going to become king. You know, whether they like it or not, whether Saul likes it or not. And you know what David does when he gets on the throne? He's like, goes right after the Ziphites, like, let's get him. No, that's not what he does. Not what he does, right? Sometimes we want to retaliate when somebody does something to us. And that's not what David does here. David is learning. He understands the same way. Saul is a tool. He's an anointed vessel in God's hands conforming him into who he's supposed to be, teaching him all kinds of lessons. These Ziphites are the same way. David understands that. David is learning lots of lessons. And it says, Saul arose and went down, verse 2, to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. So Ziph, so Saul here, he gathers those same troops again, 3,000 men, 3,000 men. You remember at one time, I can't remember what chapter it was, Saul amassed uh, 330,000 troops. And of those 330,000, these are the 3,000 men that he kept by his side and Jonathan's side. These are the elite
1: fighting group. These guys are tough. And, And Saul is relentless. David. We have an adversary that's relentless. We read about
0: it. You know, Peter talks about it. The book of Revelation, and maybe I've, I've shared this with you before. You should know it. Revelation chapter 12, it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. For the devil, Satan, that dragon is cast out, and he has great wrath, the Bible says. He has great wrath, and he also knows this, that his time is short. The devil knows his time is short. You know, for us as, as Christians, as people, we don't know our time is short. Man, when I was young in my teens, 20s, I thought, oh, what? You know, I, I always looked, I want to be older. I wish I was, you know, when I was young, I'm like, I wish I was 20. I wish I was 21. I wish I was 25. I wish I was, now I'm like, I, I'm looking back like, I wish I was 20 again. I wish I was, right? Because life goes by so fast. Life goes by so fast, right? James says it's a vapor. He says, listen, don't you know? You need to be aware of this. Keep this in your memory banks. Your life is a vapor. It's, it's, it's here and gone
1: so quickly. What are you living for? And Saul rallies the troops,
0: makes the phone call, gets on social media, whatever it is, and he gets the 3,000 men, and he goes after David. In verse 3, it says, And David and Saul encamped in the hill of Hekelah, which is opposite Jeshamen, by the road. And David stayed in the wilderness, but he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. So here here comes Saul, and, and he stays by the road this time. He comes to David and he's like, all right, man. right, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice here. We're not, I'm not going to just, I'm going to be very smart. David is crafty uh, and he's got the Lord on his side. So I'm going to stay by the road and we're going to see how he, he surrounds himself with these guys. Uh, verse four says, and David therefore sent out spies, not assassins, he sends out spies. And he understood that Saul had indeed come. And David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped and David saw the, the place where Saul lay. And Abner, David would know Abner. He was, uh, he was basically Saul's bodyguard, his captain. And Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army, now Saul lay within the camp and with the people camp, camped all around him. So he comes and assesses the situation. There's 3,000 men. And Saul and Abner right in the center of the camp. And verse 6 says, And David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zerua, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to
1: Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I'll go down with you. Ahimelech the Hittite, you can forget that name. You don't have to remember it because you'll never hear from him
0: again. He's the guy that does not respond to the call of David. He doesn't respond
1: to David's call. And you'll never hear from him again. I wonder, you know, because he still is one
0: of David's mighty men, but I wonder if he's, he never becomes all that God really intended for his life. If he never becomes all that really he could have been if he would have just lived a life, yield it, Lord, whatever you have, here I am, send me. What do you have for my life? Responding to God's call and you know, probably tons of reasons, excuses, I'm busy, as soon as my family grows up. <laughs> David, don't you see, maybe you're making the wrong, maybe you're making a bad mistake here, David. You actually think this is a good idea. David, you should, I think, you know, you've made some good choices, some bad, David. I don't know about this one. Maybe I'll wait and see how it works out. I'll, I'll jump in next time. And you never hear from this guy again. But Abishai becomes one of David's elite soldiers. We read of him in 2 Samuel, at the end of 2 Samuel, and he's a guy that kills 300 Philistines with a spear. He's actually David's nephew. His brothers are Joab and Ashiel, who become also part of David's army, who are his mighty men,
1: who are part of his ar- army. But Zeruah is David's older sister.
0: She knew David. Probably changed his diaper. If you have, if you have a, a, you know, a, a large family... You know, we've got a four-year-old, and uh, we've got some older kids that, you know, have changed Carter's diaper, our youngest. Uh, A lot of them have done it. And I'm sure that that's the relationship that, that she has with her kids and with David. And she's told him, listen, I know this about David. This is who he's been all these years. You need to stay close to him. And these guys do. Joab, you know, 2 Samuel, you'll, you'll meet these guys uh, if you read Second Samuel. Joab becomes a little questionable.
1: But this guy who responds, Abishai, says, I'll go. David, I trust you. And he becomes all that, that God has called for his life. He doesn't undershoot what God's called for him.
0: And so many people do that. Like, they're, you're satisfied. I'll be a Christian. I'm happy. I, you know, I'm going to heaven. That's enough for me.
1: I'll see you next Sunday. It's good. This guy responds. It says this in verse 7. David
0: and Abishai came to the people by night and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head and Abner and the people lay all around him. So 3,000 people, 2,999 people and there's Abner and there's Saul right in the center, entrenched in the camp, right in the very center. So David would have to, to get to Saul, would have to weave his way through all these people to get to the very center of the
1: camp, to get to, King, to get to King Saul. And it's dark out, which can be an
0: advantage, but it can be a disadvantage too, right? Uh, we lost power the other night, probably some people here did. And you know, as soon as it went out, we we're like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then it was... And then it got dark, and then we're like, all right, where's all the flashlights, candles? You know, we're lighting them. People are tripping, falling, stepping on Legos, doing all that stuff, you know. And that's what David's got to deal with here. It's dark. You know, is there a, a Lego in between him and Saul?
1: Probably, right? And, and so he's trying to get there uh, uh, to Saul. And there's the spear, and there's Abner. And it looks
0: impossible and impenetrable, but God's called him to do this. We read in, in Zechariah chapter 4, you guys know this scripture, probably as Zechariah is speaking to Zerubbabel, the governor of the, of the land who's supposed to rebuild the temple. The temple was started and then it was stopped. And everyone was, was building their own houses. They're like, "Ah, this is close enough for now. Everyone's doing their own thing. You know, if you read the book of Haggai, everyone's like, all right, that's enough work. Let's go work on our houses. Let's go do our own thing. And, 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 and God used Zechariah to, to encourage Zerubbabel to finish the work, to take hold of that which was left undone and finish it. But it's, an, it's a hard work, a work that can't be done by just one guy. And he encouraged him. He says, this I speak to you by the word of the Lord, that it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not going to be because you're an amazing architect or you can rally the troops amazingly or that that you've got this bigger brain than most people and you use a higher percentage of it. It's not because of that. It's because God's going to get the glory. It's by his might and his power that you need to lean on. And until you learn to, learn to do that, you're going to be lacking in strength. You're going to be less than what you could ever be in your
1: own strength and ability. It's not by might or by power. And so David realizes that, and, and he moves forward. And, and it says this, and
0: Abishai, you know, they get to the center of the camp, Maybe they were quiet when they stepped on the Legos or, you know, there's probably a little moonlit, whatever. We're going to figure out why nobody woke up here in a minute. It was God's supernatural hand, his power. He puts these guys to to sleep. Maybe he dips a little NyQuil in in their drink. I don't know. Some of you guys do that with your kids. Uh, But it says, Abishai said to David in verse 8, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. So he sees this a certain way. He says, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. It's only going to take one time. And imagine the adrenaline. This guy's good with a spear. We find out he kills 300 Philistines with a spear. This guy is like, dude, I'll grab that spear and poke him right through, and it's over. I won't have to pull it out and hit him again. We can do this right now. And he sees, but he doesn't see clearly. And David is in his life because David is is discipling this young man. He's in his life discipling him. And it's up to David to make the right choices. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we want a do-over. But with this, David won't get a do-over
1: if he kills Saul. There's no do-overs there, right? Right? Let me strike him. Don't you see God's hand in this, David? We're right here.
0: We walked in the middle of the camp. There's the spear. Everyone's asleep. I'm willing. You don't have to even do it, David. I know you can't. This is God's anointed
1: to you, but not to me. I won't have to strike him a second time. And David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who
0: can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David sees clearly still that Saul is God's instrument. It's his, God's tool in his hand, in
1: my life, refining me, teaching me. Saul isn't my problem. He's God's problem. This is God's battle.
0: That's, that's, that's the way Pharaoh was when you know, Moses is like, man, he's got all these questions. How, can we, how, how am I going to deliver these people, Lord? That's impossible. But it's God's problem. You just have to follow the Lord and his leading. It's God's problem. That's the way David felt when he fought Goliath. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who comes against the armies of the living God? This is God's battle. I'm just going to take a sling and a stone, right? And that's that's what God does. He takes what's in our hand, the things we're familiar with. When Peter became a fisher, was a fisherman. He became a fisher of men. Paul the apostle, this guy who was so intelligent, God just puts a pen in his hand. Here, I want you to write something. David, who was a shepherd and he's used to slinging stones. Hey, listen, you're going to be a shepherd to my people, you're going to be a king. Moses became, becomes a shepherd in the, in the wilderness to Jethro's flock, his father-in-law. He's got a, just a shepherd staff in his hand, and God's like, I can use that. You're going to lead my people. You're going to be a shepherd to my people.
1: God uses what, who we already are to make us more of what he wants us to be. He can take a skill set and refine it so David sees that. Who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And then he says in verse 10, David says, furthermore, as the Lord
0: lives, the Lord shall strike him. So he gives three, alter- three things that God can do to Saul. He says, the Lord can strike him or his day shall come to die or he shall go out into battle and perish. Unfortunately, repentance wasn't on that list. But he says, listen, as the Lord lives, that's something you got to remember. You can't forget that fact. As God, the Lord is alive. He's alive and active in your life. Even if you're not a Christian, he's actively drawing you to his side. He's putting you in places where you're hearing the word of God, where people love the Lord, and they're like, it's, it's not a coincidence that you're hearing things, and you're bumping into people. As the Lord lives, as Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 28 to go, go into the world and make disciples, not converts. He says, go make disciples. I want you to teach all nations. I want you to teach them who I am. I want you to walk with people. He says, go and do That's a great work. That's that's a work that needs the Holy Spirit, right? He says, go, and then he says, lo, I'm with you always. The Lord's alive. He says, lo, I'm with you. That's an imperative. You need to know this.
1: Lo, you can't do that work unless you know that I'm with you. You need to know that I'm with you. As the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him. He learned
0: that lesson in the last chapter with Nabal, right? God just took him out. We're such frail creatures, people. Or his day shall come to die. He'll live a full long life, and this is my lot, that I'm going to be running from Saul for a long time. Or he'll go out into battle and perish and Second Samuel chapter 1, we get the revelation of how Saul dies, and that's exactly what happens. He goes out, and who polishes him off? An Amalekite. Finishes his life. That very nation that God says, hey, go destroy these people. They're wicked.
1: They're evil. And Saul's like, well, you know, some things are kind of cool. I like some of this stuff not that bad.
0: And he saves Agag alive and the best sheep and the flock, and he saves all this stuff, apparently a lot more than just Agag, because Samuel hacked him into pieces. And an and, and Amalekite shows up on the scene, kills him, finishes him off. And that's how he's going to die. Saul's disobedience and rebellion to the Lord comes back to bite him, unfortunately that's what happens in our life. Lord, your way or my way? Well, I'm pretty sure my way is
1: terrible. And you know what's ahead. I can trust you. Those are the options. And that's exactly what happens. And the Lord forbid, verse 11, that I should
0: stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David recognizes that spear. It's been chucked at him a few times, stuck in the wall, chucked at Jonathan. He David or Saul always has it, you know, under the tree, taking a nap with his spear stuck in the ground. He travels with that thing,
1: right? And he uses that thing. He says, "Take the spear and the jug of water by his head." and let's go. And David
0: took the spear, probably thought, oh, wait a second, that's probably a bad idea. I'm not going to let him have the spear. I'll take it. He wants to kill him. And the jug of water, and they got away, and no man saw it or, or knew it or awoke. And they probably thought, man, we're pretty sure-footed here. This is pretty amazing. But it, it says, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. This was supernatural. God did it.
1: God's hand was in on this. His supernatural involvement. Sometimes we miss that, God's hand in our
0: life. We need to be sensitive to that. Man, we, we can think we did this or this was because, you know, my advantage or I knew this guy. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's because, man, you're, you're, the Lord put a deep sleep on your wife or blinded her that she married you. Uh, you know, some of these things in our life is like it's just God's hand. It's, it's God did it. God supernaturally did it, and sometimes we don't recognize
1: it. God working in our life, and we need to see it. It says, David went over
0: to the other side and stood on the top of the hill, afar off, a great distance between them. So he's still using wisdom. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Hey, don't you answer, Abner? Can you hear me? And Abner, Abner answered and said, "Who are you calling? Who are you calling out to the king?" So listen, you're not supposed to. Number one, you're waking us all up. Number two, you can't speak to the king. What do you think you're doing? You know, Abner's all upset, uptight, yelling back. He doesn't know it's David. And David said to Abner, "Are you not a man?" Little jab. David may be getting in the flesh here a little bit. And and then he says, And and who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord the King? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, Lord the King. And this thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. Now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head.
1: He says, look, I didn't take your head or Saul's head. Look what I have. And then it says
0: this in verse 17, and Saul begins to pour on the syrup again. Saul knew David's voice, and he says, is this your voice, my son David? So probably still dark or he's a far enough distance away early in the morning. But he says, this is your voice, my son David. So now, you know, David, Saul at one point wants to kill him. Now it's like, and you remember from chapter, I think it's chapter 23, same thing. David calls out from the cave after he cut the hem of Saul's garment, the ro- his robe. And he's showing it to him. He's like, oh, it's my son David. But you know the difference between that chapter and this chapter? That chapter 23? Saul's weeping. There's brokenness. There's repentance. There's some humility. It's emotional, but maybe there's some hope in that. Now there's none of that. Saul is just talking, maybe even in monologue. Knows what to say. Oh, is that my son, David?
1: You my son? Is that you? There's no change in Saul. Still after
0: David, still wanting to kill him. No real repentance. Repentance is seeing you're doing the wrong thing, turning the other way and heading in that direction.
1: Continuing on that path, that's real repentance. Saul doesn't have it. And David says, it's my voice, my lord, O king.
0: He doesn't call him my father anymore either my voice, but he is respectful. And he says, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? He's like, what have I done? Let's think about this again, Saul. What did I do to you? Why are you after me? Verse 19 says, now therefore, please let my Lord the king hear the words of his servant. Listen up, he says, please. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. So, what he's saying is listen, if I've done something wrong to you, if I've harmed you, sinned against you, tell me what it is. Because I want to make an offering, I want to get it right. Let's deal with this thing. Let's bury the hatchet and walk through this thing. If I've done something wrong, let's reason this out.
1: Let's look at some evidence. But, he says, if it's the children of men. If it's the children of
0: men, may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from sharing the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. And listen, if people are lying to you, people are just keep stirring you up. Saul, I pray that they're accursed. It's wrong what they're doing. They're just talking, and they don't know what they're talking about, and they don't have the evidence. Saul. all. He says, but what it's doing to me, he's pushing me out, and we're going to read that next week in chapter 27. It gets the best of David, and he goes into this depression, this, this condition where he actually leaves the country for a time. He's saying, hey, man, it's driving me out from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So it it eventually, next week we'll look at it, it gets the best of David. David's going through it. And there'll be a lesson there for David too. Verse 20 says, So now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea. As when one hunts a partridge, in the mountains, he's saying, Saul, this is on your head. No matter who, whose fault it is, pers- you know, you putting pressure on me or people lying to you about me, it's on your head. You're allowing it. You're doing this stuff. He says, it's on your head if my blood falls to the earth, which God's not going to allow that. But he says, you're seeking a flea. A flea's hard to catch, and they're hard to get rid of, aren't they, if you've ever had them? I remember going, going. we were away camping, or I think we might have been on Canisius Lake, and we had cats. I'm like, all right, hon, I'm going to go home and feed the cats. And I went home, and I'm walking through the living room. Why we had cats, I don't know. And I'm walking through our playroom, actually, and I'm like, what is going on? All this stuff jumping on my legs. If you've ever had fleas, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. So every day we're on vacation, Every day I'm back home bombing my house and go back and then come back home and bombing my house. I wanted to bomb the cats. <laughs> he says, you're seeking a flea. I'm hard to catch and I'm hard to get rid of, but also as one hunts a partridge, I'm also wearing out, he's saying. A partridge is just a bird that you flush up and it, you, know, you see it and it flushes up, maybe it lands in a tree or flies ahead of you, and it wears out. Like you just, all right, there it is. And then you start getting guys to come around it because it just flushes and flushes. It doesn't fly away for a mile or half a mile. It just goes a little distance and a little distance. And that's what David's doing here. And he's wearing out by just getting pushed from here to there to here to there. And then Saul said, verse 21, this is very
1: important. Saul confesses here. He says, I've sinned. Return. You think David can trust him?
0: Come back. I've sinned. Return, my son, David, for I will harm you no more. That's not true. Because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I've played the fool and erred exceedingly. That is going to be the epithet of this guy's life. I've played the fool and erred exceedingly. This was a guy that had so much going for him, so sad. When he started out, God's spirit was on him. He prophesied with the prophets. He did amazing things. And now the end of his life, he's just chasing David around, not protecting the kingdom. And he realizes he has this moment of clarity. I've wasted my life.
1: What could have been and what actually was are two different things. He says, I've erred exceedingly. I've played the fool. He's close to really, actually, to the end of his life. This is it for, for King Saul. His time is king. is ending. And all he can say
0: is, is, I've played the fool. His whole life and I've erred exceedingly. I've made tons of mistakes. But there's no real repentance. There's no weeping this time. There's no acknowledgement <clears throat> that's going to change him. His heart's growing harder and not softer. And that's what happened to Pharaoh as Moses kept saying, hey, let my people go. God's saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh would say, okay, go. And then he'd harden his heart and say, no, you're not going anywhere. Okay, go. And then it would go round and round. And finally, his heart was so hard, there was no way that he was going to let... God's people go. Psalm 95, verse 7 and 8 says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your
1: heart. Saul would hear David's voice. Is that your voice, my son? He would hear God's
0: voice through David, David calling out to him, David not killing him. Is that your voice? But once again, Saul would harden his heart, and that would be it for him. There's no chance. Today, if you hear his voice, that's an amazing thing. If you can hear God's voice, if you hear him, sense him speaking to you, that's a special privilege that not everyone has, and, not, and it's something that you may not, may not always have. If you hear your, his voice, the psalmist says, harden not your heart. Today, if that's, ha- if that's happening, if you can hear his voice, because there may come a time where you just harden your heart. Nah, not today. We have excuses. We have excuses not to respond to the word, not to do what we know is right, not to respond to the gospel, to salvation. And we harden our heart. We close our mind. We close everything off. And then pretty soon you can't
1: hear God's voice. And that's what's going on with, with Saul. He won't be able to hear
0: verse 22 says, and David answered and said, here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. Come and get it. It's a choice. Saul had been throwing that spear at people that threatened him forever. For as long as he was king. He's got his spear in his hand. And it's really a choice for Saul to live by the spear or to repent
1: and live by God's word again the anointing, the king that he should have been. It represented
0: leaning on his way versus God's way. And we see this spear. We don't know. It doesn't say that Saul ran over to get it or sent someone over to get it, but we know he does because we read in 2 Samuel that he leans on his spear one more time in chapter 1. He puts that spear down and he lays on it. And he, and he dies because of that spear. He made the wrong choice. You want to live by that spear? You want to keep doing your own way, your own thing, your own will? You're going to die by the spear. And then an Amalekite will come and finish you off. If you still hear God's voice his wo- and his word. Let one of the young men come and get it. And, and Saul probably sent one, someone over right away. Yeah, I need that spear. That's my protection. When he, when he didn't realize God is his protection. And verse 23 says, May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Everyone is going to stand before the Lord in your own righteousness or in his righteousness. If you're not born again today, you're going to stand before the Lord in your own righteousness. You're good, hopefully weighing out your bad, which can never happen. Right? The Bible says that if you sin in one point of the law, that you're guilty of all of it. If you've lied one time, which everyone here has. You're going to have to stand before the Lord either in your own righteousness or you're clothed. Romans chapter 3 says you're going to be clothed in his righteousness, his justification. What Jesus did for you and I on the cross, but we have to choose. The Lord is going to repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. The Bible says that it's required unto stewards that a man be found faithful. Are you faithful in what God's calling you to do? What he's asking you to do? What he's telling you to do?
1: That we're to be be faithful in the little things. Verse 24 says, and
0: indeed your life was valued much this day in my eyes.
1: Saul, I saw great value in you still. And then he says, let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. He doesn't
0: trust in Saul's value of David. He trusts in God's value. Lord, you protect me. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. And, and we have a promise that God will do that. And then Saul said to David, these are his, his Final words, I believe, to David. Saul says may you, or Saul says to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and prevail. And David went on his way, and Saul returned to his own place. Prophetic, some clarity, some insight. We see two people in this chapter
1: that never really responded to God's word, his calling. We see Ahimelech, the Hittite.
0: You never hear from him again. And Saul, who who rebelled against God, did his own will, did his own thing his whole life. They never lived up to the full potential that they could have been. And the Bible says, if you hear his voice, Psalm 95, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart, right? We have a tendency of hardening our heart being set in our ways. It's so sad for King Saul. Probably these people in his life that were telling him all these things, yeah, David's after you, David's after you. David is what just wants your throne. David, oh, look, at and now he's over here. God's, God's you know, delivering him to you. Those are all the, the lies. The reality is, for, for King Saul, people were afraid of him. And no one could be honest with him. No one could tell King Saul the truth because he always had that spear.
1: They had to fear for their life all the time. Didn't matter who they were. He killed all the priests in Nob. It's sad to be in that place. You should never
0: get to that place where you're so hardened and set in your ways where your, your husband or your wife or your friend can't talk to you. The people in your life can't tell you some some truth because we're not always right. Maybe you already know that you're not always right. You don't see things clearly. Abishai didn't see things clearly all the time. David had to say, no, "No, no, no, let's not kill him. It's not good. It looks good. It might feel good. It will end our trouble. It's not the right thing to do. We have to be very careful." You need people in your life that are willing, that, that it's safe to tell you the truth, to tell you that there's something wrong, that things aren't going good, right? So, Lord, we're thankful for that, Lord, that you're honest with us, Lord. You tell us the truth. Your word's alive, and it speaks right to us beyond what other people might say, God. You cut through the flesh, the joints and marrow, uh, and, you, and you, you head right in with your word by your spirit.
1: And it talks to us, Lord, and we need it. And I pray that uh, today, Lord, we
0: can have the tendency of allowing our heart to become hard and set, and we don't allow truth to come in, even though you're speaking it, Lord. I pray today, if we've heard your voice, God, that,
1: that we would soften and yield, surrender. the way David is, the way Abishai did, Lord. Settled, responding to your call, Lord. We just love you. Thank you for your your love for us, your commitment to us, Lord.
0: In Jesus' name.